Individually, they are a force to be reckoned with. But when they join together, they become Unplugged Radio. Prepare to be swept off your feet as Greg Person, the lover, takes the stage. But wait, what illusion is this? It is no trick. It is Jake Hutton, magician, for your viewing pleasure. Look out! The sensational sensei himself, Mike Rossi, warrior on display. Bow down and grovel at his feet as John Vanas, king, utters his decree. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Unplugged Radio. I'm your host, Greg. I'm your host, John. I'm your host, Mike. Beautiful. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were just chatting earlier. I just returned from a vacation yesterday, so I'm well rested and ready to. Very nice. Well, I'll go back Very to nice. work, but I mean, you know, I'm ready to podcast too. Right. There's <laughs> <laughs> work, and then there's work, buddy. Yeah, that's what we're doing. That's right. That's right. That's, that's it. Good, this is the good work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're gonna, um, as I promised at the end of the last episode, um, we're gonna have some Kings of War centric content. I ain't go figure being a Kings of War podcast, uh, but we'll we'll go around do our our hobby updates, talk about some books we've been reading, and then we have two local events that have happened in the past few months, and we're gonna talk all about those. John was in attendance at both, and Mike and I were running them. So yeah, perfect. buddy. Perfect. So for Sweet. hobby, uh, I'll get us started because I, I've got two sure. things that I'm really excited about. One is that I have finally found myself in possession of a fully painted 1,995 point dwarf army. So That is amazing. That's great news. I finished up right? since we last recorded. I finished up uh, the Horde of Earth Elementals. I finished a second organ gun and I finished Stone Priest. And so now I have this fully painted army. I'm going to be bringing it to uh, Unplugged GT in April, and I haven't played a single game with dwarfs ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Before we uh, hit record, John and I were talking about maybe getting together for uh, some games this weekend, which would be great so I can see you know, what terrible mistakes I made when I wrote this list with no playtesting. But, you, well, uh, you've played dwarves before but not like with this lit and not in third edition no i've never i've played dwarves in warhammer fantasy <laughs> right it really i've ne- yeah I, just, I seem to remember you no okay yeah because what i did was i took my warhammer fantasy dwarf army and i rebased it for kings of war and then i sold it without ever oh, right right like uh i thought i could right. sell this to somebody who wants to play kings of war and instead of an army kevin spear um, which was our friend chris labelle and he oh. took it he brought it to an event or maybe he two did. events and then yeah. he was like yeah kings of war isn't really for me and now kevin spear has it making a rounds because all of my armies eventually go to kevin spear that's what that's how it works just how it works <laughs> so that's one exciting piece of news the other thing 
is that, uh, again, just before we started recording tonight, I got a wonderful package delivered from UPS, which contains several Northern Alliance or Varenger. You can play them as either Armada ships. And uh-huh. I'm going to be painting for the charity raffle for Unplugged uh, GT. Uh-huh. So nice. now that the dwarfs are done, that's going to be the next project. And the timing was good. They just came in. And uh, I haven't, I, all I've done so far is open up the box and taken a look, but the sculpts are really cool. Um, right. Yeah, I've only ever seen Armada in pictures on a website. I know some of our local guys play it, uh, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of the models in person. Right? So I know I'm late to the party. It's been around for a couple of years now, but yeah, really, really nice stuff. So I'm looking forward to uh, working on that. That's awesome. Cool. I can't wait. I can't wait to donate. Right, maybe you'll win a. Uh, maybe you'll win a. Uh, yeah. Tweets. So what it's gonna be? I, I mean, uh, I figure next episode, uh, I'll have more details to share. Uh, basically, it's gonna be the it's the starter fleet, which is three ships, and then I purchased a fourth ship. I don't remember what it's called. It's like the big one. You know, every okay. uh, faction has like a big ship, but you could build yeah. it three different ways. So it's a four ships. Uh, I purchased uh, on Etsy some special like MDF trays for holding the cards, the ship cards and the tokens. Oh, nice. Come Good with touch. it. That's awesome. That'll go with it. And then I think I'm actually going to get the, um, it's not out yet. It's on pre-order. It's being released March 20th, but it's called like the Armada Essentials Kit. I'm going to look um, it up right now. There was... Yeah, I, I, I bought the Armada, Armada Essentials box. What, what's this in it? it? Nice. So it contains uh, all the rules and templates and dice that you need and a fantastic neoprene sea mat. So Ooh. it's basically the idea is that whether you, if you, um, you know, win this raffle, whether you've never played Armada, or right. you have been playing for a while, there's something uh, appealing in this for you, and you'll be able to put it right to use. That's cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And assuming that I enjoy painting these ships, and uh, I see the game, and it's, you know, it's as good as it looks, I might also pick up that Trident Realm fleet for myself. I don't know if you've seen that's on pre-order too. It's not. Oh, that looks ridiculous. Yeah. If that, that was out, gorgeous. I would probably paint that for the raffle, but the turnaround time would be kind of tough. But those, not really ships. They're like sea creatures. Those look yeah. really sweet. Yeah. Greg, Greg, the yeah. game itself is pretty fun, and I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. The rule set is clean. I like it. It's um, it's not a uh, it's slow. Like the game takes a while, but it's it's good for a beer and pretzels afternoon. You know, hunker down and um, and fly your float your ships around and, and have fun. Nice. Right. All right. So that's yeah, that... me, John. Aside from your uh, vacation, have you been doing some hobbying? Did you bring? I also wouldn't be surprised if you brought everything with you. The airbrush on, on <laughs> the airbrush <laughs> hotel. Right. At the beach. <laughs> on some vacations, I have been known to bring models with me. Um, but no, we were um, going for a couple of weeks this time, and so I did not have space for anything other than uh, clothes. Also had an experience flying on a new airline this time. Um, 
the only airline that had the flights we wanted was Spirit, which is kind of like your budget airline. Pretty budget, yeah. Um, so the flights were super cheap, which was great. Uh, but like their bag allowance for weight is super low compared to what I would consider normal. Yeah. Um, and so just things like that that were kind of constraints. Anyway. Um, yeah, I've been hobbying a lot. Uh, I've been mostly doing uh, building some kill team stuff. I've been I busted out another set of terrain uh, for kill team, and then oh, upstairs, cool. yeah, this is like um, what would you call it? It's pipes, like energy pipes, and like these these like power generators and stuff. They're kind of bulbous in shape. Um, yeah. And the final piece that I'm adding to this set is a crane. It's just what it sounds like. It's a crane i painted it yellow like a piece of construction equipment um and then i like all rusted it up and made it look all oily and weathered um and it was pretty fun to paint pretty quick um so i did that yeah yeah and uh i think that's probably it most recently i did paint some new models for the the two events that we're going to talk about um those were some empire dust stuff yeah so yeah not a lot of games because i've been away but uh did, did some painting and some new Kings of War stuff, and uh, that's that. Pretty legit. Uh, in typical fashion, I have not painted anything, um, but I have ran the Dead of Winter. And uh, speaking of charity raffles, I am taking the uh, Ewok army that I won from last year's uh, charity raffle from um, March of Death, and uh, I'm taking that down to the pilgrimage. Actually, in two days from when we're Ooh. recording. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, have, I'm, you, have you played any games with the army? I played two. <laughs> so, so the army is not. So, what I'm doing is because it was originally a goblin army, but I'm not taking goblins. But it has like ten regiments of Ewoks and three, I guess, hordes of Wookies that are like large infantry, right? So I was like, well, what do I do with an army? And then I has like a couple of, like there's a like C3PO on a palanquin essentially is like a and is is on a chariot base and there's another one of those with like the ewok chief and so if you look at it it's like okay these two are chariots and these are regiments of small infantry these are hordes of big infantry but it's all has to be the same so what do i take right Uh so i opted uh, so i opted to take a herd list um where all of the ewoks are tribal spears so they all have movement six 15 attacks makes um, sense 13, 15 nerve, but they have phalanx, right? And, and they're Pathfinder. And Pathfinder, 135 points. I know they yep. hit on fours, but like kind of and TC1, like, yeah, it's let's not, go, right? It's not bad, right? No, right? And then the, the three hordes of Wookiees are guardian brutes. So Which 30 like attacks. Minotaur. Yeah, right? 30 attacks, crush one, TC1, um, Pathfinder, herd, etc. Um, I took two Minotaur, char- Minotaur heroes on chariots and then... Um, the it has an ATST like a walker, and on a on a on a giant base, and uh, so that's going to be a Hydra, and yeah. So anyway, and then I got like two characters. One's like you know, one's a an Ewok with like a skull on a stick, and the other one's an Ewok with a staff, and you know, so one's like you know the the general, and he's got the wings of honey maze and the and the the tribal or the the. Horn of the Great, the Horn, the Horn of the Great Migration. Yeah, Horn of the Great Migration. Horn of the right? Great Migration. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, it gives everybody it gives a, it gives an aura of wild charge and an aura of dread, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then the other guy is just a druid with uh, bane chant two and heal two, right? Yes. And the crown of the wizard cake, so he can reach out and get the spells off, right? But 
that horn of the great migration coupled with the with the with the wings because the way the aura works is like okay so the king starts on one flank and all the units next to him get the wild charge they charge then you fly then move him the, to the other fly him over the other side and then yeah. boom, right. everybody with the extra inch on this side too yeah it's so that's pretty cool, that pretty cool. yep yeah, it's. I mean, it's not sneaky amazing, but it is pretty good. Or you can send people in and then fly up and put the dread on the things that they're fighting, which right. is also good, right? That's, uh, so that's 2,300 points, Mike? That is uh, 2,300 points, yeah. And what's the it's unit like, strength on that? That sounds like it's it's uh It's uh, 31 unit strength. Uh, so it's got wow. five. It's got five regiments of tribal spears and a horde of tribal spears with... Um, the plus one to hit item. Oh, I lo- see. I think Horde of Tribal Spears with um, Brewish Sharpness oh. is sneaky good. Any anything it hits, it just makes a mess. Oh, it's so many it's dice. Thirty attacks on threes, on threes with TC one, mm-hmm. and you got Bane mm-hmm. Chant floating around. Oh and yeah, you're like oh okay, whatever defense four, but the nerve is high. Right, it's high enough. High. To, so it's, it's high, high enough. Damage, right? Yeah, high it's enough. not that yeah. hard to get it in and smack something. Well, especially since it's the second line. I don't put it in the front. Of course. There's yeah. just a, a, a screen of bros that you have to deal with, and then, you know, they come in with the Guardian Brutes and clean up on the second. But I've had two two games with the list, and I have just ran forward with it and stress-tested it, right? So yeah. See what it can one, do, right? With yeah, so, oh, yeah. Right, so one game I went first, one game I went second. I was playing against um, Ogres for the first one and Forces of Nature for the second one. And Forces of Nature, I took some damage, but it was just pressure right so i i got to go um second against the forces of nature player so he moved up and then i was like boom everybody's um right you know everybody is 13 inches away from you what are you gonna do right and then he moved around some stuff and i charged and then next thing you know like by turn four just even with the surge shenanigans i'm like you can kill a unit and then these other three are over here staring at you you know there's just too many moving pieces and they're all scary yeah right right you know, so it, it was, it, it's worked really well. It's worked really well so far. Now, that being said, it's two games. I'm going to go to a real tournament and get my face pushed in, but that's fine. Like, you know. <laughs> And so for, yeah. for the timing Sorry. of this, we're recording this uh, on a Wednesday night and yep. pilgrimage is this weekend. So it'll probably, yep. I want to set unreasonable expectations for myself. This no. episode will probably be released after the pilgrimage. After. Absolutely. Um, but there's been, I haven't been following, but there's been a matchup asked or announcements. You know who you're yep. playing round yep. one? Yeah. So I, I, I judged, or I, I judged, I grudged uh, Joe Borghese because okay. him and I have been talking about playing each other all the time. And we always are like one table over from each other. So let's just do it. So he's, I'm coming with a completely new army. He's coming with dwarves, which Ooh. is completely new to him. And he's essentially taking the list that I took last year to pilgrimage. Oh, <laughs> right. Nice. Right. right. And so now the, the going thing is like, well, if Mike can't beat his old army, right? And I'm like, well, with this, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So I'm going to, I don't know if putting in just constant pressure is going to work. Right. I'll just go in, bounce, lose half my army, go in, bounce, lose the other half. It'll be great. Last right? year you had a defense six army, right? It was yeah. All, it was, yeah. it was all defense six. It was, you know, um, lots of iron, king guard. on large beast, lots of iron guard with the throwing mastiffs, um, you know, Gallic. Uh, favor but it, the, as you do right and so he's taking the very similar list yeah he has so less, could, a little less shooting but you know so it's possible though you could run in and bounce and you'd be like yeah thunder charge watching all my units it's great it's, well, no, it's not it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough Uh-oh. it's not enough not enough go figure 
right? Gonna, um, my prediction is you're going to waver a lot of units, and he's going to fail those headstrongs. It's going to feel real good. <laughs> you, man, you, your optimism. I really appreciate your optimism. It's, it's you, actually right? pessimism about headstrong. <laughs> I, I hate that rule. Right, I always fail it whenever you need it. Whenever you need it, right. This is the one. There's on the two. fluke, like, oh, you're, you know, this irrelevant thing on the side that you got a lucky waiver. Yeah, I shrug it off. But I'm like, oh, I really yeah. got to come back, finish that unit off, grab the token. No, uh, two. Nah. <laughs> Stand there, thumb in your butt, call yeah. it a day, right? So anyway, that's that's happening. But so it's it was getting the getting the thing. Pre- no, so the other thing that I'm doing for hobby is I have to transport this army, and so. Uh-huh. I, Right, somehow. So right now, like it, it was delivered to me in a cardboard box wrapped in wrapped in bubble wrap. I'm like, Neh. so I got myself um, uh, a pretty decent sized, uh, low, small Tupperware uh, container. Laid everything out in it. I went and I went to the hob. I went to Lowe's and I bought uh, like the kind of tacky stuff that you that you roll out onto um, shelves, right? So I'm lining the bottom of the Tupperware with that, so the the units don't move around, and then. You know, essentially, like, uh, went and I took upside down, like, the, the trays that you would put in a battle foam bag, right? Yep. I'm going to put them, I'm going to, I hollowed out some of the tops and I turned them around and they'll sit on top of the units. They don't move anywhere. Is the oh, plan. you're going to cover them up with the Cover foam. them up from the top, right? Yeah, is the idea. Okay. Right? Um, just because they're spiky and they all overhang the sides. And so when I tried to, like, put them into, like, Right side, so you put the base down into the thing. I was just ping, ping. All these little like Ewok spears are flying all over the place. I almost lost an eye. I said, "Okay, I can't do it like this. We're gonna do it this other way instead." Right, right. But so we'll see if that works. But yeah. So anyway, I'm ready to go. Go to go visit my my aunt uh, on on Friday night. My uncle's gonna cook. It's gonna be good. And then head to the venue on Saturday. See Jake. Jake's gonna be there. So I'll see if I can get a recording with Jake while we're there. That'll be good. Yeah, you got to try and get that in. It's it's going to be a good mm-hmm. event. I'm jealous. I'll be there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But cool. So that's what I'm doing. Beautiful. Yeah, buddy. All right. So uh, let's talk about books before we jump into these events. Uh, Mike, why don't you why don't you keep it going here? What have you been reading recently? Yeah. So I I I have been reading the stuff that you guys have been reading. So. <laughs> um, I just got done with The City We Became, which was really, really good. It was really good. Really good. Um, Haven't started the, uh, the, what is it, The World We Become, which is the the sequel? Yeah, The World We Make or something like that. The World We Make, that's what it is, yeah. So I haven't haven't done that yet, but because I wanted to. Well, anyway, uh, because I'm reading Legion, too. I'm actually in the middle of reading reading Legion right now. But anyway, so jump back. one book at a time. Right? So The City We Became is really... Um, I was really impressed with the characterizations of the different avatars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, that's what, and Greg, I, that's what you had said about it, too, was that it, it really had like a good flavor because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. And I just... There was, there was some parts of it that were so... Just the concepts are so cool, right? The fact that, like, Queens is an Indian lady who studies math. And then when she's like, there's a scene where she has to get someplace really fast and she doesn't think about, I'm going to run from here to there because she's figuring out her powers. She just understands the equation of how light would move. And she goes, Oh, I'll just do that. 
and then she goes to the other. It's so smart. Like this, yes. so many cool yes. things like that in the book where I was like, oh, that is totally that rules. I would watch a whole book. I want to read a whole story just with her yeah, because of that. Uh, right? Her, her her powers are really cool because she's just <laughs> her powers are just math, but like put mm-hmm. into from theory <laughs> to practice. Yeah. So strong. So I uh if I if there was any critique to the book at all, it would be that at the very end, when the climax happens, um the 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 thing happens and then the story is kind of like another page and then done, and then we go to the prologue. Right. I would have liked to see it a little but I didn't realize when I was reading it at the time that there was a a sequel. Right. And so maybe there's gonna a couple of the other dangling questions will be revealed in the sequel and it'll be good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But it's 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 really well done. I was very impressed with the with the blending of the social commentary on top of the cool concepts on top of on top of. Yep. And then Cthulhu. So, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of layers in there to enjoy. Right. Also, yeah, it was great. Uh, Obviously, this is not a, a character that you really necessarily like, but uh, I was so fascinated with the avatar of Staten Island and that whole yeah. story. And it goes into more yeah. detail with her in the second book. Oh, good. <laughs> right. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping that she shakes it off and she grows up and, right. Instead of just whatever. I mean, that in and of itself was a really good telling of like, why would someone be that way? Oh, because of this. Yep. Right? Because of these reasons. Oh, that's awful. Right? And then it's very easy to be like, well, I would just not do that. I'd be cool. And it's like, well, would you? Yeah. If you're you really? in that situation, if, you didn't grow right? up in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it, John, not to go too far into it, but it's like, you know, it's New York City. The We've talked about it before. The premise is that cities... Um, and be born, be alive, and they have yep. human avatars. But because New York City is so big, it ends up having oh, uh, borough avatars, borough avatars, yeah, right? It, yeah, yeah. So all five of them combined to form Voltron, kind of a thing. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Staten Island yeah. always it has a very different vibe from the rest of New York City, and you know, people who are native to the city would know a lot more about this than me, as someone who just lives a couple hours away from it, but. Um, they kind of, you know, many of them feel like they're kind of separate and, and are not part of uh, New York City as a whole. And the the young lady who uh, embodies Staten Island is like, she's grown up afraid of New York City proper and like feels that it's like a cesspool of crime and um, sin and has like won't visit it has never ridden the ferry into right. the other boroughs right. <laughs> it's, you know it's, it's right. but like then like kind of perfect yeah but then you find out like her dad is a is a cop in new york city and he's intensely racist and just awful and you know and and you're like oh well that's why eh, right so that's it's i don't know i thought it was i thought it was extremely well written so if anybody's listening and hasn't put it in their face you should it's it's a really good, it's very well written. It's a very good book. Very good book. Right. I mean, it's not the fisherman, but you know, it's no, really but it's, it sounds, it sounds like something I would be interested in checking out at some point. Yeah. Right. And then just the, the, it, it, the conflation of the dreaded cosmic horror with the societal ills is really well done as right. well. Right. Um, and the other thing I'm reading now is Legion by Brandon Sanderson, which I, John, you had read. 
Um, and well, I, yeah, uh, I read that too on John's recommendation. Oh yeah, so I'm I'm about two thirds of the way through. Um, and it's the, short, and right? It's it quick, is. It is. Yeah, it's quick. It's, it, I was reading that as a palate cleanser between um, the city we become and and the world we make. It was gonna yep. right, but um, it's it's good. It's it's an interesting premise. I like it. Right, I like it so far. It's it's really cool. So the idea for anyone who hasn't heard the other episodes where we talked about the book is um, this uh, uh, essentially a, an investigator uh, named John Leeds is um, he has a psychological disorder where he is so smart, but his brain essentially can't handle all the stuff that he knows. So he compartmentalizes all of his knowledge into these alternate personalities that walk around right. with him, right. right? And he can't juggle all of them at once. So if he's going on a case and he needs to know certain things, he brings some of his personalities with him and leaves the rest of them at home, right? And it just explores that as a concept. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I, I have to admit, it's a cool concept and I like it. And it's written, it's an early Sanderson work, so it's, it's snappy, it's quick. It's, um, snappy, it's, it's an quick. easy read. Yeah, it's got a little bit of action, a little bit of mystery. There's a little bit of like, kind of i don't know suspense unknown going on it's right got a good mix of stuff yeah it actually reminded me of an early butcher book insofar as there's a mystery that has to be solved and the guy's got special powers and that's about the extent of how far the similarities go but still right right it's yeah, right. But yeah. I, I think it's i think it's a, i think it's a good read it's certainly worth nine bucks on a kindle you know easy peasy so yep. yeah buddy john what have you been reading uh so i finished the first uh two and a half books of uh the mistborn part two trilogy uh mm. so this is the uh, wax and wane series um i'm on i'm on uh, the bands of mourning right now I'm about halfway through that one and it is excellent i think yes, i probably reserve saying anything about it until i finish the whole wax and wane series really um but it's it's really fun let me just say that it reminds me a lot of the dresden files it's got that the wax and wane part of it, the first series is not like that at all. But the wax and wane part of it is super Dresden vibe, where there's like these <laughs> the main character is kind of like an investigator, and there's kind of this like big, big bad guy theme going on, but then these more like localized schemes that he's trying to break up or whatever. It's just really fun. The characters are fun. Um, so yeah, but anyway, again, I would I would like to talk about that more after I finished the last the last book um but the other one yeah, that i finished, on it right yeah we will definitely deep dive into that mike um the other one that i finished though was uh um i won it at an uh, what an auction raffle i think at crossroads last year maybe something like that some or maybe pilgrimage some tournament um it's the steps to deliverance it's uh one of the i think it was the first kings of war book that came out right yeah yep. yeah um so it's a quick read it was about 300 pages long I, I don't know to take that long to go through. It's um, it's not great. It the overall story is okay. Like the premise of what's happening in the story, I think is fine. And there are some of the scenes okay. that are told just fine. Really, I, I wouldn't say they're stupendous, but they're fine. The biggest gap, I think, there's two. There's two major gaps. One is that the characters don't make sense. Like. Without giving okay. anything away in the book, there's a there's a main character who ends up becoming the antagonist. And the main character flips from like righteous good guy defending the people 
to the most horrid bad guy of bad guys with mm-hmm. n- no justification and no reason, no background, and it just happens overnight. Somebody is like, you should be a bad guy now. And he's like, nah, okay, I guess you're right. I'll be a bad guy now. That is ridiculous. It makes me mad. It just doesn't make any sense. And like, you can't, if you can't make the characters feel believable with their actions, you've got nothing to stand on, right? Right. So you have the foundation for a good fantasy or sci-fi story. I mean, any book, but especially if there's fantastical elements in it, in order for it to be grounded and for you to, you know, and suspend your disbelief with the other parts. You have to feel like the characters are real. You're, yeah. I, I, right. I read this book this last summer. I, I remember talking about it on the, the end of the year recap. It was called The Last Watch. And they're like trapped in space, kind of. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you know, light years away from, from Earth and things go wrong. And so like the captain of the ship makes these decisions that are kind of a little out there in the you know like why would you you choose to do that because you're desperate and so you're making desperate right you're making desperate decisions it's like well i'm probably gonna die anyway so i might as well go for it and like you can get behind that as a concept but this character is just totally unbelievable the the first like third of the book is setting him up as maybe a i'm not sure exactly what the setup would be there but as a obviously a main part of the storyline here but as Mm -hmm. a good guy and then flip of a switch. Now he's evil. Oh, right. no, really, really didn't sit well with me. Um, you know, it's, tra- it's, I was going to say it's, it's the same. It's the same problem that I have. And just to cross pollinate the dorkdom, right? It's the same problem I have with the. The Revenge of the Sith. Is that is that the one where Anakin Skywalker turns into Vader? Right. Yeah. I had a bad dream. And so now and, you know, I had a bad dream and I had to kill a bunch of kids. Yes. Yeah, I just summed the whole movie up. I had a bad dream and I had to kill a bunch of kids. Totally. What are you saying? Right. How did we get here? Right? Right. Like, ugh. Right. So the the other <laughs> Yes, it's exactly it's exactly that. Mm-hmm. So the other main problem with the book is the dialogues are mostly uh, a series of characters yelling at each other. One one character will say something, and then the other character is like, how could you say that? It's all exclamation points everywhere you look. They're just yelling at each other the oh, whole time. Boy. And then one of the characters will randomly change their mind to end the conversation. Like it's a, Again, these characters have this motivation. There's this one guy who's a Basilean paladin, and he's super hot-headed, and he's got this weird relationship with this Basilean nun sister. Yeah, non-sister. I think they use the term interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And, like, they'll be fighting one second, and then they're best friends, and they're portrayed as, like, really respecting each other, but then they just shit on each other. And it's just, like, their relationship doesn't make any sense. Uh, Right. It's That inconsistency is weird. And I can even see if you're trying to portray one of them as not trustworthy it's like hey to your face i'm nice and behind you i'm shitting on you sure but that's not what's right. going on there yeah no i don't i don't i don't know that's weird at that like that characterization kind of stuff it, it it has to be done right to greg's point or else you lose i lose interest in a book when something egregiously stupid or out of character happens yeah right i'm like you're doing this for plot it's it's clunky Cut it yes, out. that's what it is. Right? You said you only said that this scene only exists to further plot, but it, like character development is just such an important part of books. And some books go overboard with this. Like if you've ever read Game of Thrones, there are entire books that don't need to exist 
in terms of plot progression, all they do is character development and they do it in a really right. long, drawn out, unnecessary way. But this right. like missed the whole idea of what developing a character means. And it's just like, well, these characters have to do something to advance the plot. So uh, I guess they're going to have an argument now. Uh, that's a shame. Uh, right. it, I feel like it really is a shame. Now, that all that said, I think there's some severe criticisms of this of this novel. It was the first Kings of War novel. It does introduce some concepts of the of the lore and the world, and I think that's nice to see that some some you know there's some description that's being built up over sure. how Basileian culture works and how uh, oh anyway I don't want to give any of the story. There's other other factions involved and whatnot. Um, and so that's ni- that's nice to see. I appreciate it, it kind of being fleshed out a little bit. But yeah, the the character development is is just in multiple ways really really bad uh, that makes it tough makes it tough to read right yeah it was tough to read. It, let's put it this way i the book went in the trash when i i'm like i'm not giving that to anyone else to read it i am not gonna play this forward i'm not, oh, I'm not, I'm not wow. I, won't, I won't do it um so so i read it you actually i was warned not to read it so i remember getting it at, i think it was crossroads and uh, I walked yeah, back to sit right. down and somebody, somebody, maybe it was Chris Murphy was like, dude, don't, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> As I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. But um, I wanted yeah. to know, I wanted to know how bad it was or, or what was wrong with it so that I can make right. a, you know, a fair, and it wasn't a big book. It wasn't like it was going to take um, weeks to read or anything. So yeah. So that's no, my experience. Pages. Yeah. You know, a couple yeah. hundred pages in out done. Right. In out done. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I don't know if other uh, Kings of War novels have gotten better or been better done, but um, that one was a flop for me. I read um, Scott Washburn's Halfling novel. Um, I, the name escapes me right now, but that actually wasn't bad. That wasn't bad insofar as like the characters were. They did not flip-flop, right? They were all the people that they were throughout the entire book, right? And I, I, I thought that that consistency was good. That, um, yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, a good foundation. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. Like if that's if that's what we're doing, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, right. I, I I think they're getting better as time goes on. Right. I hope so. I, yeah, uh, I mean, there's you got to start somewhere. Greg, you haven't read that one, right? No, Have I, I haven't. Read any others? The only things of war fiction I've read is um, the drafts of Rossi's book, <laughs> which I don't know. Is still, still waiting. as of yet unpublished. Yep. And the fan fiction that Someday. I and Rossi and others have written for Dash Twenty Eight, which is pretty good right. in my opinion. If you right. ever want to go check yeah. it out on Dash Twenty Eight mm-hmm. under the Fiction tab, there you go. Go hit it. Bug. Yeah. So I think that's it. That's 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 it for the books and stuff. Want to move on to our main topic, or just Greg? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Greg. I'm sorry, Greg. Greg. No, no. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just yeah. real quick because um, well, the main thing I'm doing now is I so I read Bent, the sequel to Ninth House, and, and I like physically read it on my Kindle, and now I'm listening to it yeah. on Audible because <laughs> you know you gotta go through it twice. I mean, come on. Uh, everyone um, knows. And I yeah. So, but I did read uh, another book in between, which is really really quite good. Uh, it's called Violetta by Isabella Allende. I've spoken about okay. her before on the podcast, probably years ago at this point. Um, 
she's a South American author. It kind of she's in a unique position where I think she is one of the only authors who writes in a foreign language, but whose books are translated to English and are like consistently New York Times bestsellers in the United States. She writes historical fiction. Um, her books are, I've read the majority of them. They're all really good in different ways. Uh, they generally uh, have some epic, passionate romance as part of them. They give you like the best historical fiction, like a good view into a period of time through, you know, the story of one individual or a family, right? Or through their um, like intimate lives. So this novel uh, is pretty cool the way it's set up. And I guess it was in, inspired by her mother uh, who had passed away recently. It came out in 2022 and it's, it's about this woman, Violetta, who was born in Chile in 1920, and it's set in 2020, so she's 100 years old, and she's on her deathbed, and she's kind of writing the story of her life in a series of letters to her grandson, and oh. her life began with a pandemic and is ending with a pandemic, uh, which is just kind of interesting. Um, and wow. it tracks, you know, a lot of major events. Um, and she ends up living in several different areas and, and you see lots of things going on and, and the trajectory of her life. So it is really good if you like historical fiction, if you like books that have, um, you know, based on real events, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, like a soapy, like Netflix drama still. So. Okay. You know, sure. It's not like reading like a military historical fiction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but it, it is, it, I, I really like that author. She's written lots of books since the 1980s when she was first published. And uh, this is her latest and it's quite good. And it's in English. And it's in English. Yeah. You can read them in Spanish, Thanks. but it is. <laughs> I mean, I can't, but yes. <laughs> Maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right. So we, do you want to take a break and then move on to the main topic? Yeah, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about these Kings of War events. Wunderbar. So we got a, a pair of Kings of War events that we are going to be discussing today. The first one from back in January was the Unplugged Monster Mash. This was a one-day narrative event that I ran out of uh, PJ's, which is the local gaming shop in John's area, where we've also uh, been hosting the Unplugged GT last year and uh, moving forward this year as well. So it's a it's a great place, nice. and we wanted to continue to build our relationship with them. They have a beautiful uh, venue. 
And so my idea with this event, basically when I got my hands on the Big Red Book, one of the things that I was most excited about were the rules for creating custom rare monsters, they're called. Um, and if you haven't checked that out yet, you really should. Uh, you can see them on the, the Mantic Companion app as well. There's a, a whole big menu, essentially, of upgrades. So your, your rare, mon rare monster starts out at uh, 70 points, and it has some basic stats. And then there are all sorts of different things you can purchase to customize it. And the idea is, you know, if you want to make rules for any mini in your collection, you can go ahead and do that, which is pretty sweet because at this point, there are so many cool manufacturers of different miniatures and with 3D printing, there's really any type of creature you can imagine, you can get uh, a miniature to represent it. So... From that perspective, I think it's cool. But what I wanted to do with it was create an event where you, throughout the day, as you played each game, you could earn additional points to spend on, you know, like, quote-unquote, leveling up your monster. Um, I love that idea. So I had everybody start off with a 170-point monster which means that you could purchase 100 points worth of upgrades, which people found out pretty quickly meant your monster was not going to be the be-all and end-all. <laughs> no, they were pretty bad. Right. They're not great. They were pretty bad. Um, even compared to, like, what else you could get for 170 points in, like, straight out of the box, like, rules. Yeah, so, like, I think that's that. very comparable in price to an Abyssal Fiend. Right, right? But they are and not as could... good as an Abyssal Fiend. No, you could get no. anything that good. Um, and I also asked everybody to, that, that had to be part of their overall list, which would be 1,495 points. Um, the reason for that is that's, uh, you know, the cutoff point, so you can't have um, duplicates of anything. I wanted the points to be small enough where we could play three games uh, in one afternoon comfortably. You know, I didn't want it to last the whole day. Uh, and I also wanted it to be where the armies would kind of be uh, scaled back enough where a weak monster could survive. And then by the end of the day, when you've leveled it up conceivably quite a bit, it would actually be, you know, a big threat that it would be hard yeah, for the opponent, yeah. the rest of their army to kind of take down. Um, right. And so I designed three scenarios well, they're not so much designed. I took ones, I modified ones from the rule book, uh, but in such a way that it, it made like leveling up your monster the, the center point. So in round one, we played Pillage, and uh, this was on a four by four table Yep. Uh, because of the smaller point size. We used five objective markers, and basically at the end of the game, you got plus 10 points for each objective marker you control plus one point for every uh, damage dealt by your rare monster if you won or drew, plus two points for every damage dealt by your rare monster if you lost. The idea there being that, you know, even if you lost the first or second round, combat, you're, you yeah. still get some points. Hopefully your monster didn't get shot off the table turn one, right? You still get some points right. uh, to, to level your, your guy up. Um, and in between rounds one and two, you could spend those points on additional upgrades. 
Uh, round two, we played Fool's Gold. Uh, only used one cool. of each value of bluff counter. So you had a two, a one, and a zero. And then sure. at the end of the the game, plus 10 points for each bluff counter marked with a one you controlled, plus 20 points for each bluff counter marked with a two. And then the same thing, a point for every damage you dealt with your rare monster if you won or drew, and two points uh, if for every damage if you lost. Um, so that meant... You know, between those two rounds, you could accumulate quite a bit of points. It ended up being um, the person who had the most points after those rounds was was Kylas, who had 94. The lowest Whoa. was uh, Chris Murphy, who only had 30. Most people were in the 60 to 80, 80 point range, which is significant, sure. right? So you, you, yeah. you by the third round, the monsters were considerably better. They were getting beat. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And then in round three, we played Dominate. Uh, the rule was that um, the Dominate circle was smaller. It was nine inches uh, from the center of the playing area. And the only unit strength which counts is that of your rare monster. Right? So it's a cage match. <laughs> you got to get wow. your guy in there at the end. Um, <laughs> right. So the first thing... Oh, and then also in between rounds two and three, I had an injury table. So this was to try and offset people from just playing recklessly in the first two rounds and throwing their uh, right. monster away. So you, right. you rolled, if your rare monster was routed uh, in one of those games, rounds one or two, you rolled 2d6 and consulted the table. If your rare monster was routed both times, you rolled 3d6 and discarded the highest die. So you still only took one injury, Ooh. but you were probably going to get a worse yeah. result. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I'll go over the results here. Um, a 12. It doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. The rare monster fully recovers from its wounds, eyes blazing with vengeance. Gain an additional 10 points, which must be spent immediately. 11, tis but a scratch. Yeah. The rare monster fully recovers. Uh, 9 to 10, concussed. The rare monster sustained a resounding blow to its head. Though it may return to the battlefield, it is somewhat regressed and loses one upgrade of your choosing. Ooh. Six to eight was a leg injury. The rare monster has endured a badly broken limb, which sets poorly as it heals. It suffers minus one to its movement value. <laughs> a couple people got that. Four to five, an arm injury. The rare monster has endured a badly broken limb, which sets poorly as it heals. It suffers minus one to its melee and range values. Oh, God. Uh, one person, I think, got that. And then two to three, traumatized. Nobody got this. <laughs> the rare monster was permanently scarred by the horrors of battle and suffers minus two to its waiver value. Ooh, <laughs> rude. So um, the first thing I noticed, we had six people show up and play. John was one of them. Uh, yep. There were some interesting decisions that you had to make oh, in yeah. the, the game with your rare monster. Were you going to try and um, like take a balanced approach and a little bit of points into each of your different stats because at the just like what you get to start with for 70 points is three attacks with melee five defense two speed six uh 16 18 nerve uh and height you're six. you're ba you're basically a chaff unit to start you're like with. nothing <laughs> so <laughs> do you want to yeah. put a little bit of points in each stat so that you're right. you know reasonable or do you want to like 
throw them all into attack, throw them all into defense uh, and nerve, or do you want to, you know, specialize in ranged shooting, which is something you could do. And it, it was cool to see that everybody did kind of go in a different direction. John, uh, do you want to talk about your rare monster? If you remember, I, yes. I have I have all the the stats and everything pulled up. So if you don't remember, yeah, I no, I I went with a a balanced approach monster. So I was taking Empire Dust. So I wanted something that was going to fit in with the theme of Empire Dust. So I needed uh, some requirements of that. My monster had to be shambling because it was I was represented by a giant um, skeleton, like a right. bone bone giant ish monster. Sure. Um, so it had to be a shambler. I wanted it to look like it was reasonably tough and reasonably good in combat because it was a big giant skeleton so i made him i believe defense five i think started at melee four crushing strength one seven attacks and i gave him made him fearless one fearless yeah that that was because obviously he's a skeleton he's got to be fearless yeah um and then the shambling was actually plus 10 point where you like got 10 points you get 10 points back if you take shambling if your speed was low, if your speed was high, then you paid a penalty for it. So it was, um, yeah, so I, I was just trying to, like, thematically build the monster that I had to use in the game and that was going to fit with my Empire Dust Army. So that's what I went with. So uh, two other standouts I'll talk about because they were contrasts to what John did. Um, so Kylas, we mentioned, he ended up uh, gaining the most <laughs> additional points for his rare monster because his was... Uh, just a giant shooting platform. And so he racked yep. up a lot of damage. Um, so his rare monster started out with, and he had an ogre army. Uh, it started out with speed six, melee five, range four plus, defense two plus, and attack 16, 18 nerve. And then its ranged attack was 24 inches, piercing one steady aim. And so every turn it was putting out 10 shots with piercing one on range four which is really good but he's sitting back there with height six and defense two (laughs) so very vulnerable you know if you could if you could get to him and put pressure on and then so and i i played against kylas round one we did and his monster just absolutely obliterated all my units he just (laughs) and i didn't have like i'm empire dust i didn't have anything that could go get this giant thing shooting me back there i was like "Uh, oh well this is you needed um you would have needed the um enslaved guardian archers who can outrange him even then it's like you're paying points for piercing that's a waste (laughs) no i i had a horde of enslaved guardian archers and uh, but he had um, a regiment of boomer chariots giving it oh, selfie as well. Wow, yep, yep. And so I was like, all right, I'm just not even gonna. Yeah, it was very well set up to um, for it to be efficient at dealing damage. Um, and then another uh, rare monster that was very specialized was uh, uh, Kevin Spears. So he had um, League of Rordia army. And his rare monster was called the Honorable Knight, walking statue of the Ivory Tower. And that's what it was. It was a walking statue. It did not fight. <laughs> so he had uh, speed wow. six and shambling with no uh, no surge no, no in the surge army. Caster. No caster. Uh, right. Melee uh, five, three attacks. No crush, no thunder, nothing. Uh, but he had... Defense four with big shield. He had nerve 16 21. 
You don't have to, <laughs> you know, boost your waiver and route values equally. You can. Um, he left a big gap. Right. It had Cloak of Death and Iron Resolve. So it was just meant to, like, go <laughs> into the middle of the battle line right. and soak up damage and, and deal damage, it's... radiant damage with Cloak of Death, which it did very effectively. Sure. <laughs> Right, because it's hard to take down. That is ridiculous. Yeah, and it didn't care if it we got waiver because that just meant it was sitting there cloak of deathing more. Right. So good. So, uh, John, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your other games and and like what you thought throughout the day about the event? Um, it was a while ago. I don't really remember much about my games. Um, I do remember uh, getting shot off the board by Kylas in round one. Um. And then round two, I don't remember exactly who I played round two. You played, um, um, that's a good question. I could look it up. You played Kevin Spear, I, I drew, didn't you? Played Kevin. Oh, I played Kevin, oh. yeah, with that stupid Cloak of Death bullshit. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I just, like, my monster ran up and couldn't, uh, it died to his Cloak of Death nonsense, basically. Like, I couldn't get through stuff. And my monster wasn't very strong damage either at that point i think i had upgraded him to like hit on threes instead of fours or something like that but he still wasn't very good damage output um the the, the other game that was more notable though was the last one where i played against jim where it was the the king of the yeah the dominate yeah. um the dominate circle uh if you will and that was a really fun game it was great he had a flying monster yeah, he was, was the only one by, who, by who a had dragon. a flying uh monster he had a sylvan list with a, a dragon yeah and and so I, you know, Empire of Dust, I think, had an advantage there because I just pushed my line up and the monster was in the middle of it. And it was like, you're this is the only unit strength that counts. You have to come over here and then we're going to fight. Um, and my army was just more durable for that. And so at the end of the game, sure. I, I made him take some charges that were OK, but probably not favorable. And and go figure it. It panned out like he didn't break my units. and I just surged into his flanks and killed everything. Um, but he was kind of on the back foot there because that's not the scenario that, you know, he wanted to be in with a flying, a flying monster and a bunch of Sylvankin that want to sit back and shoot you and harass yeah, right? your flanks. Yeah, and with your shambling, um, it, it meant he had to be uh, more cautious with his flyer, couldn't really more, sneak around yeah, and, and work the angles. Exactly, exactly. Um, but overall, Greg actually thought, outside of the, the games themselves, which were fun, I mean, good people at the tournament and stuff, it was a good time. Um, I thought the balance on the upgrades for the units between the games was really well done. Like every, you know, you were able to upgrade your guy, but none of them got really crazy. That you had that um, comeback effect, where like if you lost the game, you got double double the points or something. Um, so I thought it worked really well. I think it was very well done. Thanks. Uh, so I want to share uh, a couple more things about it. One, um, in terms of balance, like obviously this is a, a a narrative event, so it was not meant to be like you know all out uh, most competitive balanced thing in the game. Um, but I thought right. it was fairly balanced the way, like John said, things would level up. Uh, the one oversight that I hadn't thought about, which almost everyone went on to exploit because I think uh, Johnny Sleeves figured it out first and then everybody else <laughs> jumped on the bandwagon, was that <laughs> um, there is a bit of a loophole with ensnare. So the way you pay for ensnare is it's five times the defense value. Okay, so if your defense is three, 
an ensnare costs five times three or 15 points. If your defense is six, ensnare costs five times six or 30 points. Um, But if you just don't upgrade your defense and you take big shield, and technically you don't pay the 30 points for ensnare because you can stay defense two and ensnare is only 10 points, which is dumb because big shield only works in the front and ensnare only works in the front. So if I were to uh, advise somebody who was going to implement these rules and or run this event or, or do something similar with it, I would say, like, yeah, if you take Big Shield, you pay the full points for Ensnare. That being said, like, yeah. monsters were huge, and there were times that those guys did get shot or charged in the flank <laughs> and crumbled. So, it, right, you know, yes. it's not. But it is pretty powerful. Um and the other thing is that I did want everybody to, you know, if you're going to take an upgrade, your monster should look like it can do that thing, right? With with some yeah, level of believability, right. and everybody, right. you know, followed along with that just fine. Um, and I, then I gave out some awards at the end, but they weren't like, you know, the normal like first, second, third of the tournament. Um, I'll talk about those in a moment, but I want to share this one. Uh, highlight which is for me getting to walk around and watch all the games was a ton of fun and see how all of these uh monsters developed and interacted with each other and my what i thought was the most exciting round was the third round in uh kylas versus kevin so at this point this honorable knight had become nearly indestructible with his upgrades because he just doubled down on this theme so its nerve was 16 22 the battle shrine was nearby, so it was 18-24. Had defense four, nice. big shield, and iron resolve. And it also got inspiring ensnare and regeneration <laughs> four plus. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so good. So it was right, and it's like you gotta kill it or move it out of the middle. And so Kyrus right. was like, All right, screw it. I'm just gonna charge everything so in the book at this freaking monster. Um, so over the course of two turns, he basically threw his entire army into it. He started off with a legion of ogre chariots. <laughs> and then after the second round, he threw, uh, the, you know, the, the ogre chariots didn't do the job. They got flanked and taken off. He threw a few more units into it. Um, a lot of people at this point had finished their game. So we were all crowded around. And as the dust settled, he had put, uh, 17 points of damage on this thing. So he needed a seven twice to route it. And sure enough, he got that seven twice. (laughs) And it fell. Um, The game coincidentally ended as a, as a draw because the big deal was sitting in the back line. That that was the name of his um, rare monster, the shooting platform. And it didn't make it to the middle by the end of the game. Oh no. (laughs) Right. So, that is so cool, though. That's that's awesome. So that's so cinematic. Yeah, it, w- it was really it, fun. Yeah. If you and I will say, if you if you want to see more details about this stuff or see the rules themselves that I wrote, um, all of this is posted on Dash Twenty Eight in an, a recap article. Um, so if you go to Dash Twenty Eight dot org and click on events, it's uh, it's like I said, unplugged monster mash a narrative event. I've got the write-up on there. I've got pictures. I've got the rules and all that stuff. Um, so then at the end of the day, I gave out a, a couple of custom awards. 
We gave uh, King of Monsters to the participant whose rare monster had accumulated the most points among those who won round three. So even though Kylas had the most points, he didn't win round three. He drew. So Johnny Sleeves won with his monster, Old Greg, uh, which was a great reference if you get it. Uh, Slayer of Monsters was awarded to the participant who routed the most rare monsters. Um, and that went to Kylas uh, because he was the only one who routed the rare monster in every one of his games. And wow. then the mockery of monsters Boom. was the participant whose rare monster accumulated the fewest points among those who lost round three. And that was Chris Murphy. So a great humongous. So the Slayer of Monsters got the Citadel Skulls box. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it contains over 200 skulls. <laughs> of all so sorts ridiculous. of uh, backgrounds. Uh, so he can litter his bases with that. Uh, Chris Murphy got a Magikarp pin for the mockery of monsters. Oh, that is so um, great. Just flopping yeah. around. And Johnny Sleeves for winning uh, the King of Monsters. I drew him a picture of Reptar. Uh, another great reference if you get it. <laughs> so That's great. So that was the Unplug Monster Mash. Um, I thought it, it was pretty successful, and I would like to do a sequel to it at some point in the future, whether that be uh, just kind of running it back and doing it again and hopefully getting some more people involved. Or um, some folks were talking about, like, okay, we can play again, but we could maybe keep our monsters who are already leveled up or have them more advanced to a certain point. And then uh, if other people join in, they can also, you know, come in at a higher level um, and play larger points games. Um, You know, because I think that's pretty cool to see that link and growth, but uh, I I think the rules for the rare monsters are fun. I think this was a a good way to put them to use and, and do something outside of the regular uh, GT or practice for a GT, which is what we often end up doing. Uh, when we get together, it was super fun, Greg. It was it was a really really fun day, and I like the idea of doing um, a follow on where we up the points level because then your your monster gets bigger, so we get to experiment. We started out with really weak monsters that could like barely wipe their own butt in the beginning, and then we'll work <laughs> up to these big beefy monsters that are like dominating the battlefield, and that'll have a totally different vibe. Yeah, when you're if, when I, you look I, at those choices, when your monster gets to like the three hundred point level. They're like <laughs> really nasty, yeah. right? I I just love the idea of having it be. I mean, listen, uh, how many Godzilla movies are there, right? And so, if every time you run one of these, it's like, you know, uh, Monster Mash Two. This time it's for real, or you know, whatever. And you're slowly growing the monster over time. And so, if you're Listen, I've been coming to these as my third monster mash. I got, <laughs> right? I got old Greg here. Yeah, he dies every time, but he's got more points than you there, punk. You know, that that's legit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I think there's something to that. I dig it. Awesome. That says like a ton of fun, right? And hopefully more people show up if you're running again, right? Yeah, I think uh, everybody who played had a good time and, and was interested in... Uh, sequel in the future and i think lots of people who who would have maybe liked to play but scheduling conflicts or other issues w- would try and get there a second time so 
Sure. I dig it. So do we want to move on to Dead of Winter? Let's do it, baby. Dead of Winter. Okay, so uh, I, uh, me and the Shambling Horde ran the Dead of Winter uh, GT up in Albany, New York, um, the last weekend in January. A couple things uh, to note. Uh, the first is this is a... It was held at a place called the Fortress of Gaming, which isn't the best name for a, for a venue, but it is uh, essentially a board game cafe and gaming club uh, that the guy who owns the local game store... Uh, it's a separate business, but it's it's set. And so we were able to put 32, 34 people in this year. Uh, last year, I had 26. So And this year, I sold out within like a week. So we're talking about next year bumping up to 40. Um, but I was I was really happy with the turnout. It, it was really good. The uh, I did some army list restrictions because this was our second year. So I said, you know, you can't take more than two of anything. Right. Um, you can take two hordes of something and two regiments of something and two uh, troops of something, but you can't have three hordes of something. Right. Or three regiments. You ruined my whole list, Mike. You just I did. It. Right. And to be honest, there's no way I could take that Ewok list to my own event. So right. I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I, I think that I that got some mixed responses from people. I'm actually interested to see what other people have to say after having attended the event. I know that I got some complaints beforehand. And then I got a lot of praise after the event from people for for those restrictions, just in terms of like it made me think of, made me think about new armies. It was nice at the event. It was cool seeing how creative people had to be when you couldn't just spam a thing, right? So that that was you know that was some good feedback. Um, the the negative feedback were things like it makes good armies better. Right, so if you have if you have a really good unit and it's expensive, you're not going to take four of them anyway. But it stops me from taking four of something to counter it. Okay, I understand that, but you know, I don't know. I think there's enough redundancy in most army lists that you could you don't have to take five of something, right? Um, but anyway, uh, John, you you were at the event. What what did you what did you think? And do you want to go over some of your games? Um, uh, yeah. My, so I took Empire Dust again. Um, that's kind of going to be my theme for the year is playing Empire Dust with everything. And I painted up, like I said, some new units for it. I painted a king on a chariot and um, two regiments of scavengers and priest. Yeah, a priest, a lich priest. Yeah. Um, anyway, yep. my, I was going to take a different list, but Mike said I couldn't. So this is what I took. Um, anyway, the, the, the deals aren't <laughs> particularly important. I, I, w I went into this kind of thinking I was just going to have a good time. Um, I haven't played a lot lately. I've been uh, traveling a bit, doing some other stuff. And this was a new army for me. And I said, eh, that's okay. Just going to gonna go into it uh, and have fun. And I had a blast, Mike. It was a really, really great time. Um, I got really? to play great people and had great games. You know, I, I, I appreciate the attempt at doing something different, even if I didn't like it. Right. So, like, I, I wasn't, I'm not a fan of the, the, the double unit restriction. Yeah. But that's yep. okay. I can go into it and be like, no problem. I, I can work with that. And it mixes it up. And I like that it is just different. Um, right. So the terrain rules were a little bit different too. Again, I don't think I was a huge fan of that. But it was yeah. it was different. And it was, you know, it was just something else to play with. Mixes it up. Changes the experience a little bit. 
Um, well, let me jump in here and just explain to everybody what the terrain rules were. Yeah, right? so yeah I, I think it's so, worth calling out. Yeah, so it was it was one of those things where I I had enough terrain for twenty something tables, and then when I found out that I, or I'm sorry, twenty something players, and then when we hit the cap, I was like, wow, okay, so let's go to the store and see what they have, <laughs> and you know, well, they had enough terrain pieces for all of the tables. But the size for some of the terrain pieces was going to be a problem. Yeah. Right. I just, didn't have enough of uniform size. Right? right. So I said, well, if I if I'm like, well, here's your here's you know here's a popsicle stick and a and a coaster and there's your wood. Like this is not going to work size wise. So I added an additional. Most most tables come with like you know the standard tables these days are two wood, two hill, two walls, right. two buildings, you know, two flats. Fine. I added an, an I did all that and I added an additional piece of terrain into the into the table. And instead of laying out the tables with wonky terrain that I wasn't sure that I was going to have available, I then said, okay, everybody, here's you get you get half the terrain, you get the other half of the terrain, and there's an extra piece in the middle. And what I would like you guys to do when you go to set up is you roll a dice. Whoever wins gets to uh, place the first piece of terrain. They will also, therefore, because there's an odd number, get to place the last piece of terrain. Mm -hmm. But they also, at any time, can choose to, instead of placing one of their pieces, use this extra piece to place, right? So if there's, like, three walls, and you're like, I really want to put this wall down, and then have my own wall, so they could put the wall down and then, let's say, put their building in, in into the center for somebody, for the other player to choose, Right. And so it was a way to like get around the restrictions of the size and terrain that I had available. And I have had mixed reviews on that too. Some people were like, yeah, I'm super, it was interesting because it, you know, it's been so long since we've been to a tournament where you lay out terrain that it made people think about, okay, what is going to be advantageous for me? Or what do I, I don't want the Wood Elf player to have three woods. So I'm going to make sure that he doesn't get it. You know, I'll sacrifice some hills to put the woods down, that kind of a thing. Um, but it was it was it was once again it was an experiment uh, that I tried, and maybe it was like too many experimental things at once, right? But I don't know. So um, so you know, Mike, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, really. Like when I, when I say I wasn't wasn't a fan of it, it's it's not it was not a big deal. Right? <laughs> I generally what I what I don't like about player place terrain is no matter what the method is i don't think the the uh the extra piece wasn't going to make or break that that's just my general preference sure. against player place terrain in general so yeah the, right. your mechanism you know made sense i know you were working with the collection you had it was fine it really was sure. I, I didn't play on a single table that was like oh yeah there my there's my opponent gaming the system and really making it stupid um yeah and, and you know most of the games i i rocked up to the table with people and we were just like, hey, let's just make this look reasonable, right? Like, right. don't don't be the guy who's going to put, uh, a, a, I don't know, nothing felt egregious, I guess. Cool. cool. You know, the, the, there, I, it does bring in some, I don't know if you would call it tactics, but there's like this pregame meta where you're like, well, I see I, there's two hills. One's big, one's small. I really don't want to see that big hill in XYZ position. And so right. maybe you can put that somewhere else. And then after that, it gets a little bit chaotic because stuff is going down anyway. And um, sure. and like the I remember the first the first maybe two games I played, we couldn't fit all the terrain on the table. Uh, right. There's just not enough space between the pieces once you start putting stuff down. So like, there's you know there's some gaps I think in player place terrain as a as an idea as but, a concept. Yeah, but it's not a big deal. It's 
it's yeah, whatever. Cool. Very cool. So, so anyway, so you were saying, so you, you, you came and, uh, you took the empire of dust. You had great games against good people, right? Or good games against great people either way. Right. Which is, which is all that I ever wanted when I go to a tournament is just have, yeah, right? <laughs> have fun, play against fun people. Um, right. Yeah, I did okay. I think I went three and two. Yeah. Uh, my last game, though, oh, oh, let's talk about that one. Um, <laughs> so uh, first, I want to go back to uh, last summer when we were at Orktown, and we've got these uh, monster mash. I had a monster mash because I had seven titans in my army. Oh, that's so good. Well, it's twenty six hundred points. I was like, I got extra space right. here, so I took seven seven titans from uh, Abyssals, and I rock up in round three or four, maybe. Or four Five, maybe it was round five to uh chris pelletier and he's right. like and and the scenario is kill and we don't normally play kill in um in most of the gts around here and uh he's got an undead army with a bunch of surge and some whites and stuff and he's, he's like john i'm gonna castle in the corner and i was like well i'm not gonna run my army at you if you do that and he was like 10 10 go get a beer sure let's do it chris wow and and that is what kill does to the game Unless you have someone who just doesn't care. And like, it's not that I, it's not that I was super concerned about winning or losing that game, but it's like, if I'm just using basic tactics, I shouldn't run at that army. Right. It doesn't make sense. And we, so we, we decided 10, 10 and we played the game out and I ran at him and he ran at me and we fought each other and had fun. Right. Sure. But that nobody was going to commit to playing that game because of the scenario and the, you know. And so then we played Kill at Dead of Winter in round five. Um, right. It was a slightly modified Kill. And so I think it's yes. worth. So before I talk about my game, why don't you talk about what the scenario was? Right. So I've been I've been wrestling with this idea of what is what is wrong with Kill. Right. And so the idea that I came up with is every you start the game. The moral debate for our time. What is wrong with Kill? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with kill? Well, listen, the Bible said anyway. So, so every unit with unit strength has a token. Now, unlike you know the way tokens work in Kings of War, where it slows you down, it doesn't do any of that crap. You just you have a token, right? And it's then a counter basically. It's a counter essentially. Counter. You have a counter, right? And then um, when if if that unit dies, the unit that that killed that unit, you know the the unit that routed the unit gets to pick up the counter. And so if you have a unit that, let's say, goes and fights and kills two or three units, it's collecting these other counters plus its own. You can't drop counters. You can't trade counters between units. You just have counters. So as the game goes on, your units that are killing stuff become more valuable for the other person to try to kill. You know? Right? So it doesn't have to do with the points of the unit. It doesn't have to do with any of that. It's just here is here are some points that you're going to want to try to grab by killing units right so it's just body count from from uh from how many units go down my thought was because most of the armies will start with you start with the number of counters that you have right so if i have 14 units with unit strength i start with 14 counters and therefore i have 14 points to your let's say 10 and you have to come and kill my guys to get my counterpoint you know my counter numbers down so that you win the game Right. So that inherent imbalance between my army and your army is going to make it so that the game will naturally play. Um, 
I don't know <laughs> if it really worked. Like I, I, pl- I play tested a couple times, but I also am the guy that goes, "We're fighting, let's go." I'm never sitting like, "Well, the smart thing to do here is ten ten, go in the corner." Like I, I never, I just don't do it, right? So it never occurred to me to do that um, when I play tested it, you know. Uh, it, when I, you know, if if you're out there actually playing the game, it actually leads to some weird tactical shit where you're like, "Wow, okay, so I have a unit of, I have a regiment of of large infantry or a, or a horde of large infantry that has killed two things and now has three tokens on it. Do I commit or do I back off? You know, do I try to hide this away? You know, there was just stuff that happens later on in the game. So let um, me tell you about my game. I want to hear all about it. So uh, my game lasted 14 minutes. Ah, see? And sadness. So we set up the train. So, okay, I had one more unit than my opponent. Okay. I've got Empire Dust. I I do have one shooting unit, one unit of enslaved guardian archers, but otherwise no shooting. I have regeneration. I have heal, high defense, high nerve, fearless. I'm like, probably weather this. My opponent has a lot of shooting. Three, no, two regiments of glade stalkers, two bolt throwers, two phoenixes, a priest with lightning bolts. It was a a lot. And then we, uh, you know, we picked table sides. We got the train down. And uh, my opponent picks a side with a hill right in the middle of the table in his deployments. Or maybe it was just outside the deployment zone. But basically, no cover, right? The hill's going to give no cover. I was like, all right, this is not looking well. There's going to be bolt throwers on the hill that are just bounding me the whole time. And on my side of the table, I have this big, giant building. (laughs) Right. Like it's long, big and long. And I don't I think oh. my opponent picked table side. So he he opted for the hill and I said, Well, you just took the hill. I have no way to get to you without getting completely lit up. And I've got some cheap units that can get picked off. Right. I, I hate to, I hate to do this, but like the game the win for me in this game is not to spread out across the table and come at you. Yeah. Where you the pick only winning off all move my, is not to play. Son is of not a to, gun. The right. winning move yeah. is not to play. So I pack right. all my units behind the building, all the the easier to kill things, um, right. and then I have to put a couple off to the side. I kind of protect my flanks and I put the tough to kill units, kind of in a place where they're they're visible, but they're all protecting each other. So like you don't really want to come near that. And turn one. He shoots off a unit. Turn two, he shoots off a unit. Turn three, he shoots off a unit. But I've got a, like a little unit of scavengers just running around collecting the tokens and staying near my other units. Right. And I'm like, you, as long as I can still collect these units, you can't come get them. And wow. the game lasted for 14 minutes of oh. him. He shot every almost every turn. He shot off one of my units, but I was sure. able to protect it and and you know just kind of keep in the game. Um. But that was the win, and I did win. All right, I, w- I won by not playing, and that's what kill kill does. Unfortunately, this wow. this kill did it actually worse than normal kill. Where yeah, I, where, I, where he would have won, like my opponent would have won. This was Chris Murphy. He would have won yeah. the game if this was normal kill, just by shooting me off. And then he has the advantage where I have to come to him, and I have no choice. Right, right. But it's but it's the same game in the opposite direction where somebody has. You have no actual scenario game. And, like, realistically, if this was Pillage or Loot, he would have beat me in any scenario here, I think. Right. I, I, that was the only way I had to win was this weird kill scenario where I get to hide behind a building. Oh, okay. So, it, it, so I, yeah, I don't know. That was, to me, a negative play experience. Sure. Um, so, that, so that leads to the question, which I, I if, if, Greg, I would love to hear your, your take on this, too. Is kill by its very nature? Is it just bullshit and needs to be removed from the game? 
because of that. So I don't don't necessarily think it's a hard <laughs> no. Uh, the the thing is like want skill to be there in theory to balance out the like trash meta right if you bring an army that just has high unit strength high drops here's you know all the hordes of ratkin or goblins etc and i'm just gonna win the scenarios it in theory is like Ah. well now if it kills in the mix it makes it harder like you have to plan for it in a way but like John said in those two game experiences, it it led yeah, to non-game. It's just negative. You right? don't want to have a non-game. Yeah. Um, I no. don't know anybody well, who's Greg, like, I, except for your buddy Kyle, who's like, I want to go to an event and have a non-game. It's, if I play three of the five games and have beers in the other two, I've won. Like that's yeah. yes. I exactly. I don't think that I don't think that's how those lists actually work anyway. Though, if you look at Ratkin or Goblins or those those trash armies, mm-hmm. they've got tons of shit in there that that kills you right so that so right yes you could build any army like you could take abyssal's tool and just take 20 units of abyssal ghouls yeah you could do it but even those trash armies have good units in there that do damage and are aggressive and offensive so nobody actually plays i i know now i'm saying nobody and somebody will tell me i'm wrong but well yeah like realistically at tournaments, we don't see people playing or winning tournaments with, you know, uh, the whole, everything is just regiments of some cheap unit. Then you just spam. Oh, the I mean, well, well, you know, the, well, the Rackin players well. ratios shields or Ray, uh, Ray, we That's true. Okay. All right. So there's one, <laughs> there's one case, but he's got a gore blight and characters yeah, 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 and yeah. stuff. And right. Um, anyway, I just, I don't think that, I don't think that that's actually a balancing factor to kill it all. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's a fair point. Um, I think there could be, I don't know. I think there could be a place or a scenario that does not currently exist. That is kill centric more so than the current list of scenarios. Sure. But straight out of the box kill in Kings of War, I think, is not an interesting game. No, I I I tend to agree with you. And so I was trying to, I was trying to come up with something. I was trying to be creative and come up with something. It just didn't, it didn't take. Because the other thing that happened is that we either had the scores for the last round were literally nine, eleven, and ten, eight, twelve, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. or twenty to nothing. There was oh, no in between. There was, right? no, yeah. there was no in between. It's like, uh, okay, well, I guess we're gonna fight. Oh man, this went poorly. I lost my entire army. <laughs> right? Oopsie. You know? And so it, we didn't have a lot of like 16 fives or whatever, right? Um, which is tough in the last round of a tournament. You know, because there were some wild swings. I think um and uh, this is just, you know, me talking out of my ass as we're uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, as we do, right? An hour and a half into recording um, without a lot of thought right. process behind it. But I think something where it's like, okay, yeah. you and your opponent at the start of the game, you each uh, select like three, like whatever the number is, three, four, five targets. Sure. Or you have a total unit strength number and you're like, I'm going to pick, you know, 
however many number of units from my opponent's army that equal up to unit strength eight. And my goal is to right. kill those units. And I get points for doing it. And my opponent has picked the, the same thing from my army. And I can try and, you know, get those things however I can, protect them however I can. Right? So it's still a kill-centric, mm. but there's a little more um, nuance to it. Nuance right. To it. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. That's I, interesting. I think that, I don't know, I think one of the things I like about um, Kings of War is the way units move. Like the movement mm. rules, right? And right. then the fact that scenarios are largely based around mm. doing things in movement to get your units into the, the right positions yeah. on the table. Agreed. And so that is the thing right. about the game that I like. So if the game isn't about that, it actually became an entirely different game. It's the scenario, like fundamentally, that's what Kings of War scenarios yeah. do. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know how many times I've played Kill where I sit down, like, well, I must say three where it's come up at tournaments where I sit down to play it and I look at my opponent, we're both like, I don't know how to play this. Right. To your point, John, it's a very different game when you're just like, what I don't have to be somewhere. <laughs> you know, I don't have to be somewhere. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's none yeah. of that. Right. It's like, oh, I guess I'll just I guess because my army doesn't kill anything. Shit. Right. So anyway. Well um, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh so okay, so so that being said, um, uh, no, we're going to remove that scenario for next year. We're not going to mess with that, right? But the rest of the tournament was okay. The rest of the tournament of... was great. Yeah, I mean, you Good. know, what again? What do I want to get out of a tournament experience? I want, I want things to run on time and be smooth. I don't want to get stuck there. Uh, you know, until the middle of the night trying to get pairings out. Um, right. I want to play good people. I want to make sure the atmosphere is fun, that everybody's having a good time. Um, so those are, yeah, those are the things that the Dead Winner delivers, right? It's just a, right. a a well-structured tournament with a good group of people in a fun environment. That's all I want. Yeah, that's good. Because that's, that's really about as good as I can get it, right? That's really what I'm shooting for is come, have a relaxed time, play five games, laugh a lot. You know, everything else will kind of fall into place, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, I, I did have one guy. I do want to highlight one thing. I had um, a new player, like a guy, an old Warhammer refugee who I work with, who was like, oh, what's this? So I showed him Kings of War. We, he, we played a couple times. He borrowed an army. He came, and he played, right, in, in the tournament. And uh, at, the end of, at the end of day one, I said, what, what do you think? You, you coming back tomorrow? And he said, I have had the best time today. Everybody I played has been so helpful, and they have just been so open. And this is so different from the wargaming experiences that I'm used to. I'm like, this is the scene, bro. This is what it is. And the second day, the owner of the store um, came over with one of the other guys who works there and was like, listen, we, we – this is amazing, and we we want you here like monthly, because you're good. <laughs> like like your crowd and this game and the way that it's played is really good for like other people to see. And right. Like, wow, that is that right. is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No problem, George. We'll we'll find time, man. Because he's like, I see forty k people. I see other people, and there's a lot of like arguing, arguments, fighting, or- and. Yeah, or bros will yeah. just leave after like the second round. Like I can't win, so I'm going home. You right, know? right. Yeah, 
So, so actually, at my uh, local game store, there was a they do like a monthly forty k tournament, and there was a fist fight at the last tournament over like the two people on table me? one, and they had to like kick kick them out and ban them from playing in the store and stuff like that. It's like that's what you get with other crowds. Oh my fist god, fight. what are we doing? Right, a fist fight. Yeah, like let's this beat matters. each other up for real because this is oh. this matters so much. Who like, throws hands un- over dice? Unbelievable. Right, the next right? Kings right. of War narrative event, Ryan. Round three will just be a bare knuckle brawl. <laughs> Last one standing, baby. <laughs> right. Like, see, like, I want to say, like, I'm totally down with that, but I'm old. <laughs> and so, right. Like, years of training, I was going to clock twice and that would be the end of that. Wow. That's, that's, that makes me sad for those people that they would it's... come to a physical altercation over what is supposed to be a source of enjoyment. What are we doing here? Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 it's sad. It no, is, but uh, that's bizarre. So, so anyway, I, I I think the tournament was a was a pretty big success. A lot of people said it was fantastic. They're gonna come next year. Um, I I we raised two thousand dollars for Juvenile Diabetes Research that's Fund. Amazing, amazing. Like, yeah, and it was it was uh yeah it was it was uh, twelve almost thirteen hundred dollars from the participants. And that's 32 people. Yeah. So 1300 bucks out of 32 people, right? Um, and then the store owner chipped in the rest wow. to get us to two wow. grand. I mean, it was amazing. So, so cool. So um, cool. Yep. Good, yeah. good, good, good group of people. Like I, like I was saying, right? You're, just, you're hanging out with good people, and uh, it, it, it shows. Totally. I'm just, I'm just so happy that I'm part of a community that that like has that the the those kind of quality positive responses to just sitting around and playing a game, both the charity stuff and just the the we're welcoming to new players, and just totally good for the scene. So, so there's that. Um, any other any other thoughts, John, about the tournament and and uh, like what I could do better next year? Do you think? What could you do better next year? Um, besides removing the kill scenario. Yeah, I told you I'm okay with you experimenting with things. Yeah, 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 totally. It's it's okay. Um, The tables with the legs in between the middle, no good. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, every time you play on one of those tables, you just end up kicking it over and over again and knocking the table all around. Everything Um, moves. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, The mats, I think, could use an upgrade. Yeah. some of them were like a felt cloth rolled out over a table. And I think that like the neoprene game mats are, or any type of the game mats are infinitely better, infinitely better, you know, but you know, again, we make, we make do, um, right. That those are kind of, uh, infrastructure upgrades, I guess. Um, what'd you like, think it, of the, it, uh, what'd you think of the food and, and stuff at the venue? I mean, and, and the price point is lower too, which is always good, but, um, the price point was within budget for a GT. I don't even remember what it was. Was it fifty dollars? Yeah, it's fifty. It's fifty bucks. Actually, I shouldn't have asked you about food because you bring I, your own food to events. Yeah, I can't so, eat any of it. Yeah, so that right. is a bu- a bummer for me. But that's on me. That's not on you, right? I right, I think right. it's fa- it's totally fair for you to provide food for the normal people. Uh, <laughs> And then people, yeah. people like me and Greg have to uh, right. <laughs> suffice on our own. But that's like I know that's my expectation coming in is that I'm I'm bringing my own food and sure. I'm okay. I like I'm okay with that. So um, right. that's not not anything on you that I would expect. 
Um, so I'm sure everybody else appreciated having food brought in. Yeah. Cool. Um, the, uh, the, the raffle, there was a lot of stuff in that raffle. It took a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, yeah maybe, was... maybe limit the raffle to like put them in. Like a lot of that stuff I think could have been uh, clustered up into grab bags. Bundled. Yeah. Bundled, agreed. Yeah. Totally agreed. Right. It was, uh, uh, I, I, I did not know how long it was going to take me to do, um, to do the <laughs> results, right? So I was just like, leave it loose and just, you know, and Kyle's looking at me after like the first five minutes and I'm like, just give him like the circle thing with your hand, with your finger, like, keep it going, keep, keep it, it going, going, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, the filler, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. there was, I, I was very happy with the generosity. A lot of that stuff was donated by, uh, by the club. Right. Um, I know that Drew right now is is uh, is his 3D printer is fired up to make like terrain sets and yep. prizes for next year. Right. He's yeah. just he's going whole hog. Right. Which is yeah. good. But and it's and um, the trophies, I think, were. Trophies were really are cool. dude. I love the trophies. Every time somebody comes over to my house, they're like, whoa, what's that cool trophy? Right. Yeah. The, trophies are awesome. Been, and, and that yeah. they're I, I like having trophies that are themed to the event. So it's, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So. All right. So, um, yeah, that's about it for Dead of Winter. Like I said, it was it would I ran it and uh, I say I ran it. The club ran it and I just was the guy that yelled a lot. But like it took a, it took the entire club to get it done. And it was I think it was good. And I'm looking forward to next year. Once again, like I had a wait list with like 10 people on it. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. So, wow, right? And so, like, you know, it's... Uh, and I'll keep experimenting with stuff around the edges and try to, like, do some other stuff with it. But for the most part, it is... It's good. It's growing, and it's working, and it's... I'm happy. I'm just super happy, you know? Yeah, keep that doing it. it. it was successful, yeah. Keep, keep, keep going with it. Yeah, buddy. And it's funny that, like, I can run an event in Albany in January, and people will show up. Yep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes that's no a little joke, strange <laughs> yeah it's, it is what it is right. um yeah is there anything else you guys want to talk about this evening uh maybe i'd like to make a plug for the upcoming unplugged yeah, gt let's do it please um, do yeah so that is do. coming up april 22nd 23rd i think are the dates um in milford massachusetts which is just outside of uh the boston metro area or it's in the boston metro area if you will yeah uh, it takes place at TJ's Cafe and Games, which is a mega game store. It's absolutely huge. They've got a full uh, cafe on site that serves like like sandwiches and food, um, ice cream, uh, milk things, ice cream, things like pot stickers, ice cream, milkshakes, coffees, lattes, espresso, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so it's pretty legit. The store is absolutely massive, and they added a new tournament gaming area in the back just recently that we'll be using so that's um we'll have our own dedicated room in the back of the it's store a little it's a little uh, more private which, it's yeah. a little more private which is good and bad it, i think it's it's nice to, to have people coming by and seeing what we're playing but the privateness of the room makes it easier to communicate do announcements have little camaraderie in the back room um, right so it's it's yeah it's it's a plus and a minus um but they've got that new space it I'm not even sure if we will use it. It depends on how many events are running that weekend. Um, anyway, so you can go to unpluggamers at sorry dot com or email unpluggamers at gmail dot com to register for that. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's um, 
This is the 10th anniversary of the Unplugged GT. That's amazing. Wow. Right? 10 years right. Ten years running. Uh, so I'm looking at making some special trophies this year uh, for the 10th anniversary. I don't know what that means yet, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> how, many, how many people you have signed up so far, John? Um, like 20-ish, something like that. Not bad. What are we, what are we capping at? This year, do we have... The cap is okay. 32. Ooh. Cap is 32. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of room if you if you're not uh thinking about if you haven't signed up yet. Um don't we you know uh, get on that list? We have, we have to call out Jake right now. Uh right? Yeah, do you yeah. want to explain what that yeah. that issue is? That's pretty cool. Um well, I don't know if that's actually uh yeah. Well, let's 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 let okay. that one go. Um <laughs> But I, I do think Jake should come okay. to the Unplugged GT still. <laughs> I agree. This is where it all began, right? Jake goes it, up. It the actually, that's GT, true. He meets Craig, and this is where it all starts. Ten, it ten, all right? ten years here. ago. That's right. Ten years that's ago. Right. right. So right. get up here, Jake. What the heck? Yeah, we love you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, uh, cool. I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go, to be honest. I, I, I don't know what army I'm going to take. I don't know what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to put in some money for... for uh, for the charity that um, the the charity fleet that Greg is doing, Greg, are you are, are you um, raising money for the same charity again this year? I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. Uh, my wife and I were in the process of like researching that. So, like I said, I'm going to yeah. have more information cool. for this. Um, and my my goal too. So last year with the raffle, you know, I raffled off my Night Stalkers army, which was uh, three thousand ish points. And I opened it up beyond just participants at the GT. And I did have a handful of people who aren't in attendance who uh, participated, which was awesome. Um, but I did because yeah. it was such a large, um, like physically, space-wise uh, prize. I limited it to people who were within driving distance. <laughs> so even if you weren't at the event, yeah. I, I would see you at a different event throughout the year. This being much oh, right. more reasonable to ship, I think I'll probably open it up to just anybody, you know. And if if you're at the event and you win, great, I'll hand it over and take it home. And if you're not at the event and you win, I'll put it in the mail and send it to you. So I want to try and get, awesome. uh, yeah, all the details worked out so we can spread the word and and hopefully get uh, as many people as possible uh, in the running to win. Their very own Armada fleet, painted by your That'll be great, and some other future yeah, monsters to go with it. That's fantastic. Um, I should probably just say that uh, it's nineteen ninety five mm -hmm. points. Um, yep. You know all the legal, current, up to date rules and whatnot. No restrictions on what you can take. Uh, it's five rounds. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of as a, a very standard. Uh, tournament format. If you're, if you, if you want to know what you're getting when you come to the right. tournament, the thing that makes it a little um, more is... unique would be the point size and our scoring system. Right, the scoring system is very, I would say, hobby focused. It's, it's, uh, mm. the sportsmanship and the painting scores are worth a lot of the points. And there's also a painting competition on the side for single models. So if you have uh, something you really want to show off, um, that's not necessarily a whole army's worth. Um, you can focus on just like one unit or one model and get into the the monster or the unit category um, sure. for for that as well. That's awesome. Very cool. So we'll see you there.
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else we want to talk about there, buddies? No, have, have a good, good night. Right. Yeah, sounds Everybody good. Everybody, take care of yourselves. That's Thanks it. for tuning in, and uh, we look yep. forward to you. Be well, everybody. Talking to you again real soon. Damn right. Late. See ya.